This is the Church Planting Podcast, brought to you by the Broadcast Network. Broadcast exists to support, train and encourage church planters. For more information about who we are or about the training that we offer, please visit our website at www.thebroadcastnetwork.org. Hello and welcome to episode 170 of the Broadcast Network Podcast. This week we're continuing our Change for Growth Church Leader Series and we're joined by friend of the Broadcast Network, David Devonish. In this session, Colin and David discuss changing culture, tackling what culture is and how to reinforce positive culture and how to bring change where cultures can be unhelpful. Hello everyone and welcome back to Broadcast. It's great to have you with us today. It's a lovely day up here in Manchester. I hope it's nice where you are as well. But we're on to continue our series about change for growth where we're looking at how we can bring about change in our churches and do so in a way that's helpful, that moves things forward and that brings people with us. And throughout the series, we've had uh, Colin Barron with us and we've had a guest with us each week as well. And today, uh, I'm pleased that we've got David Devonish joining us. Um, now David's been involved in leading churches in the UK and working, supporting other churches here in the UK and in the Russian-speaking world, in the Muslim-majority world, all over the world. David's been involved in all sorts of churches, helping navigate changes and helping support those churches. And actually on broadcast at the moment, we're taking a lot of David's teaching from uh, throughout his ministry and turning it into video courses that you'll be able to watch on here over the next year or two years as they come online one by one. So that's a really exciting thing that's happening. But it's great that you can join us today, David. How, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm fine. Thank you. Yes, thanks. Obviously, uh, it's a strange time, but I'm <laughs> fine um, speaking on these sort of things quite a bit. Great. Yeah, and, so fine. Uh, and we've got Colin with us again. If, if you don't know Colin, he's one of the leaders here at Christchurch Manchester and also, uh, like David, involved in supporting lots of other churches as well. Uh, Colin, how are you doing? Doing very well, thank you very much. Like you, Tom, enjoying the sunshine, which um, we uh, don't take for granted in the Northwest. <laughs> No, it's, um, it's the one or two sunny days a year that we get at the moment, so uh, making the most of them. Um, we, we've been looking at different parts of change and different things that are involved with it, breaking the process down. And today we're talking about changing culture in particular. And I thought it'd be good before we get too much into the conversation, just to clarify what we mean by the title when we're talking about culture, because it's a word that we use in different senses. Often we talk about culture in a in a national sense, the, the culture of the UK or the cultures here in England, or we might talk about the cultures of different nations and different people groups. That's not really what we're talking about in this webinar when we use the word culture. We're talking about the culture of a church. So that's the, the way things are done around here. You know, sometimes I've noticed that I, I can walk into a church and uh, I'll be visiting and the church believes all the same things as my church believes. And the way the meeting is done is pretty similar. And yet I can sense this is somehow different. And it's hard to pin down exactly how it's different or, or what's different about it. But it's a noticeable thing. Often that's culture. It's shared values, shared ways of doing things, shared expectations and approaches to things that, that are just kind of commonly brought into amongst that church and that group of people. So this conversation is really going to be 
about that, about how we shape our church culture, about how it impacts the change that we want to do. Um, the way we're going to do it is a conversation between myself and David and Colin around this. I'll put a few questions out there to prompt discussion. But it works best if we're addressing the things that you'd like to know about and the questions that you have. So please do make use of Zoom. We've got the, the chat box and also the Q&A box. So if you pop your questions into it, either of those, then we can integrate them into the conversation and make sure that we cover the areas that you're wondering about and serve you as best we can on this webinar. Um, I think a good place to start is just to get an understanding uh, of how we how we know what the culture of our church is. Um, David, I, can I come to you first and just ask you, if, if you had someone, a, a church leader was having a conversation with you about church culture and they, they said to you, David, how do I start to see what my church culture is at the moment? How would you advise them to find that out? Well, firstly, I would say you have to distinguish, as you did in your introduction, between what you might talk about as the vision of the church or even some of the core doctrinal values, because we use the term values in different ways, just like we use the term culture in different ways. And uh, often when you ask people that, they say, well, this is, these are the values we teach. These are the, this is the mission we're going for. This is our mission statement, as many churches have. Um, and, uh, and they think that covers it. Or they say, yes, we've taught on culture and uh, have a list of things that they believe they want to reproduce. However, what you, that is not the culture of the church. The culture of the church is actually what is happening rather than what you hope would be happening. Um, and so uh, you have to find more subtle ways of discovering whether the culture of the church is actually the things you hope it might be. Um, one of the things I've found actually is I've often asked new people to the church, what did they like about the church when they first came? I'm talking to the, to the new people that have stayed. And uh, you, you, you can... Uh, although you can learn things from the new people that didn't. But, uh, and I found that when they say what they felt, so they might say, well, this church has a family feel. We felt at home straight away. That means the culture is welcoming and is a family feel. But the fact that you use the term family doesn't mean, because everything, everyone uses the term family. You know, if you buy from a certain chemist, you're part of the Boots family. Or if you... <laughs> all marketing uses the term now but actually saying it doesn't do it but things like that do describe it and there are other ways as well as i'm sure colin will add yeah no very very good and uh, yeah asking questions i remember when we did our book on on, on multiplanting we were doing some things on culture i remember Tom and Tim saying, Colin, wh what do you think the culture is? And I actually asked them to, to kind of say, well, what do you feel it is? And so, and actually, as we were talking and uh, talking to other people, actually, we were, uh, it, it, we're not just surprised, but uh, it, it was fascinating, actually, to see what feedback people gave you. And, um, and uh, that was, uh, for me, really helpful. And it's what I do when I'm in, in churches. And also just when you've been invited to speak, I, I sometimes kind of slip in. 
and talk to people as I'm walking in. I don't go straight to the kind of leaders, but I, I kind of navigate my way through. What And uh, you can pick things up very quickly. It's actually uh, interesting how quick you can pick culture up. Um, yeah. Another way that I find is that examine the, the sort of agendas or what you spent a lot of time on in your... Yes elders or leaders meetings senior leaders meetings so for example if if you have a believe you have an empowering culture or a releasing culture where you you want to let people take initiative but actually all the initiatives are spoken about and formed in those leaders meetings then you haven't got a releasing culture if it means that you're speaking every new thing that is tried come somehow to the senior leadership team or the elders, whatever, however you structure your church, and you find they are effectively the executive on everything, then you haven't got a releasing culture. You've got a culture that talks about other people doing things, but doesn't let them take genuine initiative. And I, I use that as well. Um, and, uh, or if the, if the agenda is mainly the prophetic stuff that the church has as a vision, um, but ignores some of the feeling things about the church, then again, I think, hmm, yeah, you may be out of touch, out of prophetically strong, but out of touch with how people are. Yes, very good. Yeah, I remember the conversation that Colin referred to when we were trying to pin down uh, some language to describe the culture here at CCM. And uh, it was fascinating because part of how Tim and I approached it was just to keep coming back to what are the things that Colin has over and over and over again yeah. brought up with us and won't let us get away with doing differently on. So one of them was like always thinking the best of people and having a view of people for, for what they can be in God and not writing people off and all that. It's such a, a strong theme that over... 10 years here again and again and again has been instilled in in all of us and that's the the culture now that it's the culture because Colin has instilled it in every single one of us and then we've instilled it in others and it's kind of ripple affected through that so to kind of move the conversation then uh, from looking at what your culture is into the world of change that we're wanting to talk about today when, when we change something in the church it's it's possible depending on what the change is that it then has knock-on effects to to the culture so it might be the uh, an organizational change let's say a, a restructure of meetings from uh, going from several sunday meetings that are smaller scale that lots of people are involved in pulling that together into kind of one big centralized meeting Fewer people can serve in the bands, fewer people get opportunities to speak at the front. Um, it, it might be a different way that you do the charismatic gifts and so on. These things, they can look organisational, but actually the, the hit can then come in terms of, does this jar with our culture? Does it mean we've got to shift our culture or not? How, how do we know when we're planning a change, whether it's going to be a thing that um, that creates a need for cultural change as well. Are there, are there tricks for recognising that? Well, I think you've probably, I, in your question, you've actually um, 
partly answered it, but I do think analyzing actually how it will feel for people. And I think sometimes we, uh, and also that um, what we think is just obvious and uh, people will get, actually realizing that it's a, it's a, it's a journey for some people. And, uh, and I, often, I mean, I'm talking to people who want to go multi-site uh, out of the book. And, and again, it's almost the opposite effect that you're going from something that's maybe two, 300 down to maybe 50, 70 to 100. And uh, showing that actually that you've got to reinforce some different cultural uh, values in there. For instance, that uh, hospitality and uh, welcome and relationships have a much stronger kind of weight the smaller you go. And uh, if you don't recognize that, and, uh, and so some churches kind of just transist, uh, tran, uh, tr what's the word I'm looking for? The way they do welcome yeah. in a big setting to the way that into a small setting. And actually, sometimes you need to realize that actually this is a change. People are expecting much more kind of relationship on the door as you're walking it's just a very different so understanding that i think is really important yeah i think some things are opposites of each other but you don't realize they're opposites of each other so um if you're looking for something that's very very well run but you believe actually you're an equipping church to enable more people to flow in their gifts those two don't off often don't work together yeah. sometimes the worship you want to have a very very high standard so you um you you have people who are trying to strive for excellence in everything and people that are not quite so good can't get involved you can't bring young people through but you actually at the same time are saying what we want to do is get everybody involved in ministry yes. and actually we've we've found those two can be almost enemies of each other. Yes, you want to do things as well as you can, but sometimes in that sort of the best is the enemy of the good and the best is actually the enemy of what you're trying to promote in the culture of the church. Um, and so as I remember having a conversation with someone once and they said, yeah, if, you, if your worship is always excellent, that means you're not training worship leaders. <laughs> and, yeah. And, and, and some people, uh, now in a, in a larger setting, as Colin said, some of that is because you're in a larger setting. And in a larger setting, people will, will come for the, say, excellence of the teaching or the worship leading, but the, can, but the danger is being consumerist. Whereas in the smaller setting, people are expecting to be involved. But often you... You, you, people don't make that distinction. It's not that one's right or wrong particularly, but both reflect different cultural aspects of what you're trying to achieve. Yeah, I mean, I think I've often realized that there's <coughs> a hierarchy in, in, in a leader of cultures as well. And sometimes they people put them on a level playing field. So I, I believe this, 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 and this, like values. Yeah. Actually, the reality is I know, I mean, you've picked it out, Thinking the best and not gossiping for me is such a high value. You mean you you alluded to it, yeah. and I just realised actually if I've got a pecking order, <laughs> I'm high on on certain 
things. And I think that's important because I think you to recognize it, and it's important uh, to be able to be honest about yeah. <laughs> where they are, because in a sense, it is a, David said there's not right or wrong on some of these things, mm. but there definitely is um, uh, things that are preferable <laughs> that you, you're looking for um, that are going to help you and, and help the people. And, and, uh, and also when you're changing, also to recognize where you are butting into those. Mm. And sometimes to actually have to change. Yeah, yeah because often what brings the difference, both can bring division in a leadership team and, the, and in a church is not actually different values, but the different priority in which those values are held. Yes. When they clash in the way that I just illustrated with uh, releasing people, but wanting things to be done well. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it makes me think a little bit um, uh, of the way we do things, the the excellence and empowerment thing. Well, once you've got such a culture of wanting to empower people and let people have a go, that can then loop you back around to the excellence point. And to ask the question, if we're not going to close the door uh, to people who aren't at a very high standard, how do we make sure we do have a very high standard of preaching and it means investing in training and development and bringing people through so we talk about a low bar and a high bar and the low bar is entry and the high bar is aspiration uh, and what can we put in place to to take people on that journey yeah i mean i think training is vital um but uh and so you know if if people entered in doing a teach at a fairly low bar so the content's good but somehow they can't get it over well if they remain there then you would wonder whether their gift is their main ministry should be somewhere else yeah, yeah. but if you never let them an opportunity and people have to understand you know they may may therefore only preach once or twice or something like that and so and so find and finding help to people so they find where they are fulfilled and where they are good is part of this is part of this journey so yes i mean i i want a high standard of teaching but i know if i look back on my own teaching when i was in my 20s it wasn't that brilliant let's um, let me ask you a little bit about how do we go about changing culture then if we've recognized that that certain things that we want to do will have a knock-on effect to shift in the culture of the church. And we've identified some cultural change we want to bring about. Maybe that's easier said than done, but how do we go about changing the culture? I think, of first of all, recognising which cultures you need to change. I remember when I first came to Manchester, we, we, we planted a church and we had people from, because Manchester's a big area, we had people travelling in from quite a broad range, you know, a geographic range. And I realised actually building community was very hard. And actually after about a year or two, I realised the big thing people were griping about was the lack of community. And I'd always built community churches. And so for me, I, I thought it was, but actually just listening I, and then trying to analyse what was causing this. And I said, that's, that came to that conclusion. So. We really did work hard then, and it took two or three years to change shifts. So we did one or two, a few things, but just one or two uh, highlight. We started doing a thing called Meals for Six, which actually we do now in some of our congregations. And that was basically where people signed up 
and we actually put them into different groups for to meet after the Sunday meeting once a month in different sixes at different people's houses. So in a sense, we began an organisational approach to adjust that. Leaders meetings, we put more meals on. Yeah. We actually, so we, we realised we had to do some structural or organisational piece to actually help where we saw there was a lack because community was hard if you're actually travelling 20 minutes in a car from different parts of the... The city and so you're not actually bumping into people at the gate or at the same school so just as an illustration of analyzing and then beginning to put one or two things in place and we put loads of things they're just one or two bits of uh, to actually help it become a community church yeah i mean i think that illustrates the fact that with when you're changing things um, and when you see the need to do that yes identify it but also recognize that what you teach for doesn't necessarily happen automatically. Yes. I mean, Jesus made that clear when he talked about teach to obey. Therefore, just teaching, sometimes we think teach, I mean, I'm, you know, I'm passionate about good teaching, but actually good teaching on itself, it means that people agree with it doesn't mean that they're doing it and sometimes you have to put organizational things in how you do the small group structure how you do things like meals um how you organize as colin referred to earlier your welcome to to enable to happen the things that you think should happen naturally but they don't and there could be good reasons for that so it's not a condemnatory thing it's uh, recognizing that these things are process but I think you also need to understand what the cost of change is. Yes. Um, and can that cost be alleviated? Because it's an emotional cost to change, including change of culture. Uh, if people have always done things a certain way. Um, and make sure that uh, the cost to some of the key people you're working with, who you've relied on, is understood by them and that you really take them with you. Yeah. Um, and so, and, and be careful that you don't just take with you people who are in an official leadership position, because they're not always the opinion formers. Yes. Um, and, and sometimes you have to have private conversations with opinion formers in order to help them see something and then they help bring others along even if they're not people they're officially leading. So it, it, there's, there's all these cr creative ways that you have to think about that uh, help cultural shift. Yeah, no, very good. I mean, a lot of churches are going for micro church or um, kind of uh, some small group type of church after this COVID pandemic and, uh, and the term have a go, which uh, we use and, uh, um, and I think over years I've built it into our culture, but realizing actually to build that in really does need a years. Yes. Because there's a massive loss to have a go. <laughs> the gain, everybody can see. <laughs> Multiplication, hopefully, but new things started. But the loss, like relationships and uh, John Wimber talks about the rip effect of a relationship. You do that too often. <laughs> too many people lose their friends because they're starting something new, which is all great. And so 
so it's really important to understand, as, as David said, how to bring people through, which can take the years, actually, mm -hmm. and just helping people to navigate into a new culture. Um, is not just something you can teach on or do half a year a year. It's two, three years. I mean, we've been going 10 years. And even now, we're still having to help people through when we're starting new initiatives. Just So that's just another illustration, I think. I mean, you picked up on the time piece like a few times there, Colin, like mentioning two or three years. And, you know, when I reflect on stories of the Bible, you can see this kind of number reflected. This is the time Jesus had with his disciples. It's the time that... Daniel and his friends were in the kind of Babylonian academy learning that culture. Uh, but but when you when you recognise that culture change takes years, it, it does make you think, doesn't it, about so some changes that can be brought about in quite a hasty way and uh, th things being implemented before the culture's had a chance to to catch up with with what you're trying to do. Uh, any thoughts on that about how we should be approaching? change we don't want to be too slow but um it, it does make me think perhaps we need to do things a bit differently david yeah i mean i agree it can take you know i would say one to three years depending on the, the size of the church how thing, long things have been established but that doesn't mean you don't make the change until three years what you see is that what even if if you prepare well for the change then you make the change, but you realize having made, people think, okay, we've done the change now, but that, that hasn't dealt with the pain, hasn't dealt with the cultural issues actually. Yeah. So I would say you prepare well for change. One of the things that worries me coming out of this pandemic is that people see that change needs to be made, which I don't disagree with at all. Um, and I think that's you know, being felt broadly across the Western church, but, if you did it very, very quickly, then you're sending out all sorts of different messages at the same time, which are on a regather after the pandemic. Some people want to be back to what we were. Some people want to make a radical change. How you balance that? So you, you don't have to wait three years to make a change, but you do have to wait a certain time in my view. Um, but then once you've made the changes, realize that culture takes time to catch up with that and so you're still helping that process so when you've made the organizational whatever it is change that you're talking about that doesn't mean cultural change has happened and you can just forget that and move on to the next thing you just have to take that process yeah and i think sometimes you don't need to change everything all at once either so actually you can i think some people are scared of incremental change for yes. a big idea and I, I remember when we started our second site and uh, we'd already tried to build a bigger church and realized actually that's what God wasn't saying that God was putting me back to my roots, which was uh, more into kind of small groups of 50s to 70 planting that, that sort of number. And I remember when we, Tim came, I actually got him with two or three others to start the second site and didn't disrupt the first group of people but actually got them to celebrate to enjoy and actually see the benefit with little cost but actually what we were doing and that took two or three years actually we were instigating quite quickly the move to a multi-site and a multi-planting environment 
but actually not getting everybody <laughs> to have to shift into you know not breaking down that group into smaller groups but actually starting one getting some success then starting another one so mm. i think and that actually then starts building a culture and it, the other thing about culture is of course you can put a negative by doing a, a big change straight away you can actually put a command culture in by yes. mistake so that's the other thing is you actually by the way that you present it and implement it builds a culture yeah, I mean, many of us who believe in body ministry and yeah. during change become top down. <laughs> and, uh, okay, during crisis, you may have to, you know, if there's a major crisis, you have to take a stronger lead sometimes. But change is not the same as that. And change, I don't think, because maybe because of the way I've built churches, I don't think change would be a top down thing. Um, and so uh, you 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 take people with you and you take time and, and so on. And you know sometimes you have to reverse things. I remember uh, because uh, we I remember at a time when we really grew, our previous practice of how because we believed in the spiritual gifts in meetings, we have a uh, well we had an open mic. So we didn't, you didn't have to come and speak to the meeting leader or one of the leaders first, you could just come. Then as things got bigger, we felt, okay, you do need to check things out. But that had the effect of actually dampening down the thing that we believed in. And at the moment, we're going through the process because one of the lessons we're learning from the pandemic, this is for us. Okay, and so we've started having one again in the, in, in the services we have uh and you might say well come on that's and, and, and neither phase is wrong but each needs to reflect where you're going as a church and you need to be able to understand the consequences and i remember doing when we moved to not having an open mic doing a lot of the teaching on why was done afterwards because people didn't understand that who've been with us for quite some time now we're now talking about going in a different direction and they say, you might say, it's not with chopping and changing. I'm talking about many years that this process is over. But you do have to keep thinking these things through. I'm going to bring in a couple of questions that people have been asking. Um, so someone's asked whether it's easier for newly saved people to embrace the church culture compared to those who've moved to you from another church. Uh, and how much of your culture do, does such a person need to embrace in order for them to stick with you? Any thoughts on that? I mean, new believers usually get absorbed into the culture in which they're born again into, except when there are cultural, the other sort of cultural considerations. Do you know what I mean? I'm, I'm using the word in the same sentence in two different ways. <laughs> Yeah. Um, and so in some some people who may not be believers, but may get bought, but have a view of the pastor as doing all the work mm. because that it's it's what what's in their expected in their culture, even though they haven't been to church before. But that's how they think of things. Um, and so they would find it difficult when they're suddenly finding they or others are expected to really get involved well that's what we pay him for uh, and so 
and so the so it's not entirely true that new believers are, are, adapt. It's generally true, but not entirely so. In terms of people coming from other churches, yes, sometimes they bring their own culture with them. And even though they got, I found this, people got hurt in another context and yet are looking for the same sort of thing that hurt them in the new context in which they, they, they went. Well, so, well that doesn't, that's counterintuitive or they're reacting against it neither of which is helpful. You just have to help the healing process then and so on. But often the conservative ones are those who've been in the church a long time and really bought into earlier things that the church was doing. I'm fascinated, David, when you have now brought in people from different cultures because yeah. then you, we're using the term in two different ways, but yeah. most of us are literally living in that. So we're actually building a culture in the church. We get people from different nationalities coming. And uh, as you say, they don't totally, they, they like some bits of it and others struggle. Any sort of thoughts and helps on how we actually I know that's a general question, but in terms of identifying, understanding. Yeah, I mean, most of us now in this country, if we're to reflect our communities, will need to be developing into multicultural churches, not all, but most. And therefore that is a challenge. And I think there's, so there's a number of things that you just have to think about. Uh, so one is leadership. And so if you're building a multicultural church, you need to have leadership at every level, that multicultural leadership at every, at every level without compromising standards of character. Um, but leaders, the signals of who's a leader, it's ever such a, it's ever so intimate to, the, to that particular culture. Right. So in a Western culture, it's people that take initiative, but, <clears throat> and get things done. And we often say they have the gift of leadership, which is a little bit hard from scripture, to be frank. Um, and uh, the, whereas in others, it's who's respected. Some cultures, your Western culture, you take initiative. Many cultures, most cultures out, outside of the West, you wait to be invited. And often we don't invite because we're a Western church and we're looking for people who are taking initiative. Whereas actually you, yeah, people are waiting for permission because that's the cultural expectation. Then when you give permission, they show that they demonstrate real leadership, skill and character and ability. So uh, those, that's that sort of thing. So you want leadership at every level within the church. You want multicultural. We have to think, you have to think that through. Other, other things as well. So our casual way of referring to one another. So, you know, part of the values of the family that we're part of. We was, in the early days, it used to be trumpeted as a major value that we call leaders by their Christian names, not the Reverend Sansa. Uh, but actually, many cultures, that would just be so contrary to their conscience, because most cultures have terms of respect, whether it's for someone older, whether it's a, an older brother, they have lots of different terminology for this. And so they'll call me pastor. 
um, or, or, or other titles of respect. And we violate people's consciences. And actually, we, you know, that, that's also an important value that is expressed that way. I mean, I could go on. There's lots and lots of other examples I could give on some of the issues we need to face. And that does affect the, the, the overall culture of the church in, the, in what we were just describing. I yeah, know, very good. And, you know, we're uh, helping a number of different nationalities come through into, into leadership. But I think actually, as you analyze culture and even teach on it, yeah. then actually you've got to be nuanced. Yes. You've actually got to uh, reflect where people um, are, are coming from and what, uh, how they understand family. Yes. So, you know, and how they understand relationship and how they understand welcome and, yes. and how they understand leadership. And yeah, I think that's just adds a complete different uh, perspective. Uh, yeah. We've got to get it right. Yeah, it's important. And you have to think about worship as well. And it's not just that you sing one song in an African language, but, for example, but, uh, you know, can these songs easily be sung by people who don't have English as their first language? Uh, you know, Scylla and I can speak a bit of Russian, okay? When we go to Russia, we can look at the overhead, the screen at the front, and we can read it all. But we can't get the words into the number of into the into the, the music. I think, ah, that's how people from who've got English as their second language are when they come to our church with some of our songs. And just things like that. So trying to find some, not everyone, because you've got to, you've also got Western culture as well. So you know, but you've got to think, think, okay, are, are, is there enough that all can easily join into? Are there melodies that easily bring others in? Um, and all these things just need thinking through. Sometimes it's stages, even in multicultural worship. The first stage is it's all white, uh, middle of the road, middle of the road rock English worship, you know? Uh, or then next stage is you have some worship leaders from other cultures, but they're leading those same songs. And then a third stage is you can have a mix of cultural expressions within the worship. So these things all need thinking through and all of them, because although we're, talk we're talking about culture in the uh, sense of ethnic culture, actually it affects the culture of the church yes. very strongly. Yeah, and I think, you know, looping it all the way back, Tom, I think, you know, finding out what pe the real culture of the church is, you have to ask a variety of different people. Yes, quite. Mm. So I think that's the other thing is to actually young and old, <laughs> rich and poor, you know, you've got mm. to and from people from different um, uh, nationalities, because actually you, you, you can get a different answer to uh, to that. And actually, that's a good barometer, actually, of uh, where things are at. And, and even some of the things that we hold dear, like you said, is the church a family welcoming atmosphere that means different things as colin said so if you're a family atmosphere in in many places it means that certain family events are very important and so as pastors in our multicultural church we go to engagement parties and ceremonies and do the um 
do the Christian bit and lead that. That's massively important. And yet, yeah, okay, we all, in the Western culture, we all turned up at weddings, Sarah, but the rest is social. These things are very, very important if we'd have a family feel. Yep. We, we are now out of time on the webinar. I'm aware that not all the questions have been answered. So apologies if we didn't get to a question that you asked. Um, hopefully in a, a future webinar, we will be able to, to answer it. So please do come back on and ask again. Uh, I just want to, uh, I know I mentioned at the start, the, the courses that we're doing with you, David, uh, but there's one already on there about culture and contextualization, which seems pretty relevant to what we've been talking about in the last few minutes. So uh, I'd want to recommend that course and suggest it's, a, it's live now on the broadcast site. If you head over and sign up, you can hear much more of David digging into culture uh, in the sense of national culture uh, and contextualization of what we're doing into it. So I would highly recommend that. But thank you, everybody, for joining us this afternoon. Thank you, David and Colin, as well, for being on with us. We'll be back on next week. Uh, we've got our final webinar of this series uh, with Colin again, and we'll be joined by Vinu Paul, and we'll be talking about small wins in the process of a big change. So I'm really looking forward to, to that one and we will see you all next week. Thank you, everybody.